Have you ever heard of the phrase soul retrieval? Well, in my work and in my world, soul retrieval is about going to places and back to the experiences where you've left parts of your soul self behind. Sometimes we leave things behind because of a traumatic experience that we end up disassociating from. And so this energy kind of remains locked in our past. There are other times when we have enormously powerful experiences and those two might get kind of stuck in our past blueprint of lifetimes. And so in this episode, I want to talk to you and give you some examples from my own personal file of soul retrieval experiences that have occurred in my life, but also how I have coached others along in theirs. It's all about reconciliation and personal empowerment and being more thoroughly connected and grounded in your own soul. I hope you garner a lot from our time together. You are listening to Soul Awareness with Constance Mesmer. Thank you so much for tuning in. I think that there are moments in our life where we have opportunity to take giant leaps in our soul's journey. And I think when soul retrieval is um, honored, the need for soul retrieval is honored, we can make those great strides. I think that in my experience, soul retrieval longing comes up maybe not even as such, but instead you might recognize that there are places on the planet that you long to go to that you just have on your bucket list. Like I really want to go there before I leave in this lifetime or conversely, there might be places that you have no desire to go to. So if it's an aversion to a place or a longing and a desire to visit a place, you might want to pay attention to those because there's something magical that can happen in each of those scenarios. I've always wanted to go to Morocco and I've always wanted to go to Egypt ever since I was quite young and heard about these places on the planet. It was a real longing and I was blessed and lucky enough to visit Egypt several times, actually countless. I think I've been there five times and each time I go, what what I experience is uh, often a soul retrieval experience emotions come up, feelings come up, surrendering has to occur. There's a, a, a real kindred ship that occurs between me, not only to the sacred sites of um, Egypt's past in particular, but also to the people and the culture. And it just feels like I know it in my bones. I have always loved returning to Egypt. And I long to go to Morocco. And as it turns out, I will be going to Morocco soon. I have no clue what I will discover there. Um, But I might keep you posted. I might even bring you along and uh, do a podcast recording from there. And I will definitely share images on my social media platforms. The interesting thing, and I, you know, I've told you before, is that when I did my, 23 and me and 
ancestry blood work, I discovered that I had, um, I have blood in my veins from these, this area of the world, which, uh, it came as no surprise. I have always though had an aversion to a few sites on the planet. There are a few places that I never have ever, ever wanted to go. Mount Vesuvius creeps me out. I'm sure I died there when the volcano erupted. I hear glorious things about Hawaii, but I'm nervous to go there for the same reason, the volcanoes. I am curious about Mayan ruins because I have always had this kind of, I don't even know how I feel about this, but I feel something and I'm not sure what it is. These are the areas that have me kind of pondering. And so interestingly enough, I have always kept those areas on the back burner. And <laughs> I have to admit to you, because there's a slight aversion, I'm like, you gotta go, you gotta go. Something happened there in another incarnation and you left a bit of your soul behind. You kind of split away from the experience and you've got to go reconcile, maybe reconcile some karma and collect yourself there in these places. So I was really excited to get together with my female family members and tell them that I wanted to go on a birthday trip when I turned 60 next year. And I decided to do a cruise um, that has a stop in Cozumel, Mexico. And once I solidified that's where we were going, I started to look at the onshore excursions and could not believe my eyes that those Mayan ruins that kind of haunt me in a weird way are actually there. I... <laughs> know for certain in my heart and also from my own past life regression um, meditations that I've done, that I've done at least two lifetimes as a Mayan. One was as a male of a lot of power, and I don't think I used my power well. I think I was manipulative with my power. The other one I know was that I no, I was a female that was like thrown into a volcano or something sacrificed, you know, I knew this. So I, as a, as a virgin sacrifice. And so it was really interesting when I recognized that on this birthday trip, there would be Mayan ruins. And so I thought, this is interesting. I really need to call this trip what it is. It's a real soul retrieval trip. This birthday trip. I think it's significant that we're in Mexico. I'll be at the Mayan ruins exactly on the date of my birth. So mindlessly, I was compelled to scroll into some research reading about these Mayan ruins. And there's one that is less glamorous. There's a few sites there that I could choose to visit on my birthday, but one is less glamorous, although well-known. It's San Gervasio, I think it is. Anyway, as I scrolled, I was not surprised to find this is where the Mayans gathered to worship the goddess Ixchel. Forgive my pronunciation if it's wrong. 
I always seem to be drawn to the goddess energy sites. Um, I've always been drawn like to them. So here I am noticing that I'm going to probably go collect myself from prior incarnations. And I thought, well, at least I wasn't a sacrificed virgin. And <laughs> I was compelled and instructed by my guides and angels to um, like really scroll through some greater research on this particular site. And I had to laugh because as I heard these noises in my head, scroll down further, scroll down further in regards to the Mayan ruins, I came across the fact that this Spanish conqueror um, told of a place where unmarried young women were sacrificed to the goddess in whom they had much faith and hope. And they were thinking that possibly this was at the site of goddess Ixcho. And I had to laugh in that moment, like, oh, crap. <laughs> I was probably a sacrificed virgin. But then spirit whispered to me, not all sacrifices are the kind of sacrifice that we know of. Some are where lives are sacrificed, not as an ending to life, but as temple women, like chosen, chosen cloistered nuns or whatnot, consecrating their lives, their sexuality, their entire body, mind and spirit to a life of service. And they take vows to do that. So I'm wondering, I am wondering, and I am knowing in my heart that I probably took some vows there that are still pretty solid in the energy blueprint of my soul. And I want to go back and recant those vows so that I can take my life back. And instead of being a life of service very quietly and very pointed to people that come to the sacred site of my space that I work out of, I know that I'm meant to create new vows to dedicate my life work, my work as a life of service on a broader scale. I think this is really fascinating as all several things line up in my career path um, over the next uh, 12 months to allow that to happen. But I feel like going to these Mayan ruins are a pivotal part of the journey in this way. Her name is actually pronounced Ishel. Ishel, the moon goddess. And I have, oh God, I've always been drawn to the moon. This stuff, like, you can't make this stuff up, right? This is like, when you see the links, like, it's like this whole line of breadcrumbs to go, I just want to lead you down this path to who you are. And this stuff just makes me laugh and laugh. Spirit makes me laugh all the time. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm just curious what I'll find at this site. And they said, you're going to have to dig deep when you go. So it might not be like a visceral reaction at her uh, site. It might just be really a quiet kind of a nudging at my soul. Go stand in this corner, let a story unfold, just see how it goes. You're just going to step away feeling refreshed or grounded in your feminine power or whatever it is. And I think it's interesting that people would turn to her for fertility. And I uh, am not born children in this life I chose to adopt, which is <laughs> so, so fascinating, all of it. As I've said, I've done several trips to Egypt. And on one of those trips, I went with a group of people that were um, very spiritual, like myself, um, working with their psychic nature, 
to honor what they knew and understood about the world and the dynamic world and experience they were having on the planet. And so we had great conversations. Can't remember how many people were on these trips, but when you're called to go to a place, you know, in your heart, you're called. And I was called to Egypt yet again, to be with this particular group. I recall we were at Karnak, a group of us. I think we went as a little group of women that kind of split off to walk around, but there was a woman, an older woman with her middle school son that was part of our group. And we were walking around just kind of tuning in. And I just remember um, maybe there were like five of us around her at the time. And I noticed that she was really getting a little woozy and out of body, you know, because I was watching and looking. Um, and she began to touch the hieroglyphics on the walls. And she started to um, turn white. And she collapsed and slid down the wall. And in the process of doing so, she also lost control of herself and um, wet herself. We were all, of course, you know, rushed to her side, right? But also were sad for her son who was witnessing this. So a few women went to the son and said, it's okay, this is going to be okay. The rest of us knew like, oh, she is having some soul retrieval, karmic awareness. She is having some real <laughs> collection of self. When she hit the ground, I noticed she had stopped breathing. And so I, people were like, breathe, breathe. But I divinely guided, I'm sure it was a clear cognizance. I just knew what to do. I went and put my mouth by her ear and I breathed in and out and very um, exaggerated breath so that she could hear it in the depths of her soul, wherever she had gone to, you know, subconsciously. And as I breathed in and out, the more I did it and the more exaggerated, she started matching my breath and started breathing again. When she finally came to, we, you know, really consoled her that this was, um, part of many people's typical experiences when they're having these out-of-body experiences and soul collective um, moments. So someone took their uh, scarf, um, their wrap, and wrapped it around her midsection to give her a little more modesty and privacy in what had occurred. And we ushered her back to the bus and then went on and brought her back to the hotel room where we could tend to her while others also took care of her son to speak to him and calm him down and tell him not to worry that his mother was going to be fine. I remember we, you know, we asked if she wanted us to help bathe her. It was a beautiful experience because it felt like a bunch of priestesses in Egypt, right? Tending to the women folk and each other as we did back in the day. I mean, I had images flying back to me of doing it with these very women that I was traveling with. It's pretty powerful for me. And while we were helping her bathe, you know, just putting, just talking, talking and putting uh, the washcloth and squeezing the washcloth and drawing the warm water and everything, um, we helped her kind of recall memories that came to her before she collapsed. And I'm not going to share those with you because those were personal to her. And even though you don't even know her name, I just, I'm not going to, um, but it's, maybe another episode for another time. But it was one of those moments that by the time the bath was over, she 
wrapped up in towels looked like 10 years younger. It, it had taken so much kind of heavy energy off of her. It was, I will say that it was work reconciling a relationship that she had in this experience, in this lifetime that was tied to that lifetime. And so it was powerful. It was powerful for all of us to witness, all of us to kind of help, you know, doula her soul together, bring her into this world as a new being, if you will, as a new form of her old self, if you will. Um, it was an experience that I'll never forget. And I'm really grateful to have been a part of it. One of the most moving parts for me to be in that cluster of women that came to the ladies aid was that I got to witness the lovely Daisy Foss, D-A-I-S-Y-F-O-S-S, who is a lovely healer in England. She was so compassionate to the woman. I actually think it was her that put her wrap around this woman's midsection to drape her and, um, you know, just to restore her sense of dignity. And so just a little shout out to Daisy Foss and her fine work. You can find her online. I think of all the places that I've been, Glastonbury, Egypt, Machu Picchu, you know, sacred sites. And I know that in those moments before going, I was really called there. And I know that um, I've been, you know, sometimes I'm like, put it on a credit card, I'm going, I know I'm supposed to go. And then the money comes back, you know, it's just sometimes that stuff happens. And I've never regretted it because when I'm in these places that I'm called to, I really notice if I get you know, feel ill or, you know, feel out of body. These are the things, these are the telltale sign that something's coming up. You know, sometimes people think it's the food you eat. I remember when I was in Peru, my roommate was uh, Sissy. I'm going to say her first name. Sissy was like really sick. And I was like, honey, this is past life stuff coming up. You want some help? She's like, no, no, she didn't believe it. So she just like, it must've been something I ate. Well, sometimes it is something you ate, but Sometimes it really is past life stuff, right? It's really like, let's see, do you have to forgive someone? Do you have to kind of uh, reconcile some of your own past mistakes that you've made in this place and the land's calling you back to, you know, kind of fulfill those promises or whatnot? Um, it's just been really remarkable throughout the years how I've noticed when I'm called to places, even in the states where I live, Arizona calls me, the desert calls me. You know, there's some places in the States that I haven't gone to that I want to go to. The Redwood Forest calls me. I'm sure I was a tree in another life. I want to go visit my friends. <laughs> so do you have to go in the physical? No, not really. Not really. You can do a meditation visualization to return to any of these places and kind of uncover the story. I know that it, you can totally unlock the secrets of your soul from your chair <laughs> or your bed at home. I know this, I've had this happen to myself, right? What comes up in those meditation times of intention when you want to just ask like, you know, what lifetime do I need to look at? Or I have a longing or an aversion to a certain site on the planet and go there in your mind and say, guide me, spirit, guide me. And notice the story threads that come up and how they might be linked to this lifetime whether as strengths or weaknesses or disgruntled energy. And it's really important to give these experiences, this soul time, 
for your own soul retrieval. Even if you just choose to do it in meditation, it is incredibly powerful and healing. So how would I suggest you do it from home? If you, for whatever reason, don't want to travel or can't travel to the place on the planet. I would suggest that you either imagine going to the Akashic Records, the library that has and contains the book of prior incarnations, your prior incarnations, and randomly say, I'm going to open up to whatever page still needs reconciling and open up the page and look to see what country you were in or you know who you were and what you were in that lifetime. I would otherwise also say that you could definitely think of like, all right, where have I never wanted to go on the planet? <laughs> and where do I really, really, really want to visit before I die? Um, and and it, notice the feelings that are evoked by all of those places, each of those places, right? And work with those feelings. Like, what's this about? Really turn it over. You know, just go on a thought exercise, right? these are my desires, these are my longings, these are my aversions, and see what story you access, right? See what story you access. And then, of course, follow it through to resolution. Follow it through to resolution. I'll give you examples soon. So how do you recognize the need for a soul retrieval when you're in a foreign country or even if it's you're away from home and not far from home? And you're walking in the woods or walking into, um, you know, an old space and you're like, God, I think I'm, this seems familiar. I would pay attention with using all your soul awareness to what you're getting as impressions from the space. So for me, you know, remember how I told you when I walked into the Glastonbury Abbey in Glastonbury, England, and how I really felt nauseous. I stepped through the archway and felt nauseous, nauseous, stepped backwards outside, felt nothing. My stomach cleared. So I knew it was something, a past, a karmic tie or, a, you know, from my past, right? So it's in these experiences where recognizing and paying attention to any subtle sensations on your body or any quiet thoughts that might come up or loud thoughts even. So it's, you know, it's uh, clear sensation, it's clairaudience. It's also, if you see things, clairvoyance, like some things might be impressed in your mind's eye that you see in the space. Sometimes I actually look in the space psychically. Like sometimes I'm very, very present. Like, let me go through this old house. And then other times I'm like, Ooh, let me look in this old house or whatnot, or in this, um, kind of this ruin or this old castle. I did that when I was 16. I was, uh, had the opportunity to go with my whole family to, Ireland. And when we went into some castles that were lying in decay, I was really psychically looking then to see, you know, what was it like before now? What was it like in its full glory? And, you know, let your imagination run wild in those moments. But when you're noticing that you're having a visceral reaction, take the time to, you know me, take the time to sit down or lean against a wall if you need to and close your eyes and put your hands on your heart and ask, was I here? What's coming up for me? What's the feeling? You know, because sometimes it's you're clearing a space because you're an empath because you're walking into other people's, you know, leftover energy garb. But but if it's you, did I live here before? Was I a man or a woman? How old was I when I passed? What was my life like? 
Did I leave anything behind? You know, what were my strengths? What were my weaknesses? Do I have any unfinished business? Do I need to retrieve a part of my soul? These kind of things. I think in my upcoming episode or somewhere, I will create a meditation to walk you through that. I think that will be nice. Um, but for now, I just want you to know that in my experience, soul retrieval is powerful and you can do it in like physically, like in person, or you can do it as a meditation visualization. I do it all the time with my clients when I do heart light healings or healing sessions where I regress them to other lifetimes, past life regression. But with soul retrieval in particular, it's gathering split off parts of yourself or frayed segments of yourself in order to bring wholeness, balance, fullness back to your soul in this journey. Well, my friend, I hope you've learned some things or validated some things that you've already known and experienced in your life. And maybe you're even pondering some other trips where you had <laughs> adverse ill reactions to certain places or whatnot, um, or when you left certain places and felt incredibly invigorated or life-changing experiences due to certain travel moments. I hope you reconsider what might have been actually a soul retrieval happening, gathering parts of yourself, whether you took it through to the storyline or you just had to go back to reconnect with this part of you that, you know, forever then changes your perspective going forward. I appreciate your taking the time to listen and spend some um, lesson time with me in this episode. And I really wish you well on every journey, whether it's taken from the <laughs> seat of your chair, uh, reclining in bed, or uh, out and about on plane, train, automobile, boat, whatnot, wild horse, <laughs> camel, whatever. All right. You've been listening to Soul Awareness with Constance Mesmer. Thank you so much for tuning in. Legally speaking, this podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not intended as a substitute for medical diagnosis, treatment, or the advice of a physician, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional. You should not use this information to diagnose or treat a health problem or condition. Always check with your doctor. Thank you.